The Rays get stellar pitching from two players making their Rays debut, but Louis Patino and Lewis Head couldn't swing the bats, and neither did the Rays as they were shut out by six Blue Jays pitchers, one to nothing. Rays now have lost two straight home series at the Trop. The Lightning take two from Columbus over the weekend. Victor Hedman with the overtime goal on Sunday. And it's NFL Draft Week. Should the Bucks pick a quarterback to succeed Tom Brady? I'll tell you why they may not. We've got all that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. And Steve, hooray for Hollywood. I know you're a big Oscars guy. Probably had the Oscars party at your house, I'm guessing. Yes, everyone's yes. just leaving. You know, we all socially distance <laughs> as we're supposed to. But Who won the pool? <laughs> if you had, for example, Frances McDormand, uh, winning three years after her Oscar for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, good for you. And, and how about this? Anthony Hopkins um, won Best Actor for his, uh, I guess, dementia-ridden man in The Father. And I didn't uh, even he, know he was still acting. I didn't either. And, and he has dementia. I don't know. I mean, he played a guy with dementia. He's 83 years old. He's the oldest I didn't realize he was that old. He's the oldest Oscar winner ever. And, um, of course, he uh, Chadwick Boseman was up for uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, could have been the third actor to receive that posthumously, but did not. Anthony Hopkins wins. His previous Oscar, I can't believe this movie's 30 years old. Silence of the Lambs. 30 years old. Wow. That's 30 years old. What do you hear, Clarice? Do you hear the lambs? Wow. The tedious fumblings in the back seat of a car. Well, you want to get anywhere, all the way to the FBI. I loved it. I loved that role. That was that was that movie. Um, since I can't talk about this movie because I never saw it. Um, <laughs> well, let's talk about thirty years ago. Thirty years ago, it was hilarious. I think that's the one that Billy Crystal hosted, and they wheeled him out. You know, as Hannibal Lecter in the whole uh, you know hockey mask type thing. <laughs> it was hysterical. But this Oscars I did not get to see. So for those of you who did go to see, does anybody go see movies? I guess these are all pretty much streaming now, right? These are these are uh, theaters have that, opened this year, um, yeah. but I don't know how. I mean, it's been hard to film movies. It's part of the problem. That's true. Yeah. Right. Yeah, with COVID and and what states you can be in and out and and all those things. So um, yeah, well, I have to go. I always get the list if I if I don't see these films. Then hopefully I take a long vacation and they're on the airplane or something like it's that. It's another year I miss the Oscars. I, I, every year I seem to miss it. I'm not sure how. <laughs> you were you were at the Lightning game. That's why you missed it. I was at the Rays game. We had That's, it covered. Wait, That's not the only reason I missed it. <laughs> wow. Okay. Maybe maybe you're just not an Oscar guy. I, I'm not do. an award show guy at all. I don't I don't watch you don't like any. any of them. The only one I watch is the Grammys, and it's because the artists actually perform. They play music, so yeah. I like the performances. Like, yeah, I, I can read a list of who wins what awards after the show, or if you follow Twitter, you want to be entertained, anyway. right? You, you yeah. like the entertainment. Yeah, portion. it's the entertainment part. The speeches, the that I don't it just yeah. doesn't doesn't thrill me or anything. So doesn't move the needle. Yeah, no, I don't even watch the ESPYS. I'm just it's you know, I mean they they do a great job with it, but it's you know I can read about who wins whatever awards later or greatest get, awards get it real time program. on Twitter. Best one ever created, only because they merely created it for their own programming, which they need some of. So they they do it right in the window, and there's a very small window when everything is normal, whatever normal is these days, where um, 
football, Major League Baseball has its all-star break, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's right before training camp. Hockey has ended, uh, typically, in a normal season. Yep. And uh, all those athletes can actually get together um, in Los Angeles and, and, and award each other. Um, from ESPN. I mean, it's, it's, it's really brilliant. Of course, they do the Jimmy V thing and all that. Always wanted to go to that. I don't know why. I've been to, uh, you know, NFL honors. Like, that whole thing has become mm-hmm. an award show. You know, um, used to just be you had player of the year, defensive player of the year, offensive player of the year, the AP would name it, whatever. No, 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 no. We got Walter Payton, man. Of the year. We're going to do it all at NFL honors, Super Bowl week, typically. So, I've been to several of those. And In, and per- in person, I think, would be different. They're cool only be, if you can do the red carpet. Like, you know, I've, I've been there and watched watch people. But, of course, that one is sort of like very few uh, Hollywood types, mostly athletes, which I'm not impressed by because I cover athletes. But um, but it's, but it's it is it is kind of a neat – it is kind of a neat thing to to go to once, um, maybe twice. But uh, I've been to those. So, yeah, that's, that's about it. So I didn't watch the Oscars. Did watch the Rays. Again, as I mentioned, you were at the Lightning. We had it covered. For you here on Sports Day Tampa Bay. We did. I mean, I was at the Rays game Friday, Saturday. You were there Sunday. I was yeah. at the Lightning Sunday night. So we had the – the, the only thing we didn't cover was the uh, Grand Prix, I guess. That's true. One by somebody who – I should know this. I'm not even going to say – I'm not going to pretend like I don't know. We'll just have Matt Baker on. He can tell us who won uh, the St. Pete Grand Prix. But someone with Clearwater connections, I know that. So another Champa Bay winner. Um, well, let, let's start where I was because I'm the most important person in my life right now. Um, I, you know, I once in a while in the off season because you know I love baseball. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. a baseball like freak, right? Yes. That's been that was my life before I somehow unwittingly became the Bucks beat writer because it was the most important beat in the paper at the time. It still is, uh, in my opinion, but. Um, you know, when you have Tom Brady, right, it writes itself. So, uh, I, I, you know, Mark Topkin can't cover every game, contrary to proper belief. He does just about every game, but he took a Sunday off. And I like doing the Sunday games for a couple of reasons. One, it's a little slower pace. I mean, um, the clubhouse, you know, isn't – well, they're not open at all now. But, um, you know, for a 1 o'clock game, there's plenty of time. You're not, you're not in a big rush. Um, you can do your notes after the game instead of during. It's just it's a it's a it's a simpler pace. You know what I mean? It's a and I've and I've covered some unbelievable games. Like I've gotten really lucky during my limited Rays uh, covering career to to walk into some great major league games. This was not one of them, however. <laughs> Unless you like good pitching, if you like good pitching, you got to go pitching. If you like go pitching, then there was plenty of that on both sides uh, of of the aisle here. Uh, and and I will say this, um, you know, Louis Patino, who was part of the trade with Blake Snell in San Diego, a big part of it, quite frankly, the made his yeah the biggest right made his Rays debut, um, and then a guy who's just a great story. We'll talk about him in a minute. Lewis Head, thirty-one years old, eight years in the minors, was selling solar panels, was pitching those instead of baseballs, um, got. Signed by the Rays and and brought and invited to be part of their bullpen, made his major league debut, and both those guys were lights out. Um, boy, Patino, 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 not like Rick Patino, Patino, Louis Patino. He um, has electric stuff. I mean, his his fastball topped out at ninety seven miles an hour, which is really good. Um, generally, they were somewhere between ninety four and ninety six, pretty much all the time. He throws a lot of fastballs. 
But man, he has a natural late movement on a slider. Um, is down in the strike zone. Is a strike thrower, and uh, you know, aside from a couple balls that were hit squared up pretty well, um, you know, he retired. He walked the first batter, um, kind of a long at bat, and then after that, he retired eight in a row, and they got him out with uh, you know two outs in the in the third inning there, um, and. This is a guy that's going to help them short-term and long-term. When they build his innings up, he's going to be in the starting rotation. He's that good. And he's 21 years old, Steve. This is why they traded Blake Snell. And, and whether you agree or disagree, they should have. He was the, the prime prospect, the the biggest part of this trade. Now, they're high on the other guys, too, including Mejia, mm-hmm. who's doing mm-hmm. pretty well at catching. Who right caught now. who caught him tonight mm-hmm. and all, yeah, mm-hmm. also from San Diego. Yeah, he's doing very well. But mm-hmm. Patino was the the next Blake Snell type or pitcher they think could become an ace type yeah. on, on the staff that, you know, I mean, it took someone like Patino and the others for them to give up Blake Snell. It wasn't like they were just wanting to get rid of Blake. Although, right. I, they, you know, whether they were shopping them or they got calls, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But they they needed to get an arm back like Patino, and you saw today what they see in him. Oof. Electric stuff, and you know he's got he's fastball change fastball slider changeup, again mostly hard stuff. Good changeup. He threw the changeup three two, and that was the walk. It was actually an excellent pitch. Um, but you know, I here's the thing: the the guy and the guy we're leaving out, Josh Fleming, pitched as well as anybody. I mean, you know, he he had the middle innings. He was the bulk guy. He came in with two outs in the third. He goes four and a third. Gives up just one run, gets out of a bases loaded jam. Gave them every chance to win. Works fast, works really well. Got squeezed a little bit by the home plate umpire, um, which probably cost him that run. But um, you know what? Between Fleming, between Patino, Patino, th- there's a lot of baseball left, and the Rays are unsettled. I mean, they've had so many injuries already. It's incredible, right? And um, I, I just. I get a I got a feeling that they they're gonna they did it again. I think they're finding these guys, the depth of their organization. Somebody's got to stay healthy, that that's for sure. It'd be nice to get a few of these guys back, whether it's Chris Archer or, um, you know, the bullpen for sure. But it it, it is it's it's amazing to me. And the, the the sad thing is in this game, um, you know they they really I mean they weren't out they were I guess they were outpitched. I mean I guess you'd say they were outpitched. They didn't they only had. Five hits. They couldn't string any of them together. Um, they didn't have a, a base runner get past second. They were 0 for 6 with runners in scoring position. And um, how you pronounce uh, what is Ru, how you pronounce uh, Rau's first name? Is it Hunjin Ru? Is that yeah, right? I think it's, yeah, I think, believe that's correct. Rau. Um, he actually had them stifled. They, they, mm-hmm. He gave up three singles and a walk. But after uh, uh, Manuel Margot. Um, got a base hit. He he signaled for help on the mound. He left the game. He had like a left glute strain. So he he left with two out in the fourth, and you're thinking, oh, good. You know, if you're the Rays fan, you're like, get this guy out of here because, you know, he's just – I mean, he, he he's soft. Everything's soft, right? Everything moves. He throws like he tops out about 88 miles an hour on a fastball. But weak contact, all of that. Um, but they got out of that inning, and then the next thing, the, the Jays got their only run. And then – you watched a parade of Toronto bullpen. They were lights out, and they mixed and matched the way the Rays do. 
you know, no, no, no surprise, right? Charlie Montoya on the other on the other bench. Um, they had a rested bullpen and they shut them down. I mean, Kevin Kiermaier had a couple of hits, but the best they could do was they got you know runners on first and second um, with nobody out, and then the top of the order coming around and could do nothing. Kevin Kiermaier had a couple, two of the five hits. So it was just it was just a horrible day at the plate. And and as much as you'd like to credit the Rays, just not a lot of good at bats by um or credit the Jays, not a lot of good at bats by the Rays. So they lose one and nothing. It's been a while since they've been shut out. I know that. Um even by their own standards. So that's the second series now. They've lost at home. It's weird. They started what, three and one. Uh then they lost uh, three out of four to the Rangers. Then they went on that mm-hmm. terrific road trip and won five out of six. Could have swept it. Then they come home and they lose two out of three to the Blue Jays. And now, guess what? Starting today, it's your Oakland A's who, entering Sunday, had won 13 in a row. I was watching Moneyball with Brad Pitt the other day. They may take that record down. It's possible. Absolutely. Jeez. You know, the, the shame about the, the Rays-Blue Jays game is, or the series, mm-hmm. and, and I didn't see as much of Sunday's game, but I was there Friday right. and Saturday. Right. How many extra outs the Blue Jays give you? And oh, the Rays defense. weren't taking advantage of it. I know. It's, I know. I mean, the Blue Jays' defense is atrocious. It is. I mean, they made they made some a couple good plays Friday and Saturday, and they made some on Sunday too. But you know, I mean, they give you so many extra outs, and if you can't take advantage of that, how, you know, their pitchers have to be frustrated. How many extra outs do they? Those pitchers have to get. Yeah, four four an inning sometimes, I mean, and they and they had a couple. They had a couple breaks like that, you know, on Sunday, and they couldn't take advantage. They've been taking advantage of that between that. And of course, when they went to Kansas City, kicked the mm-hmm. ball all over the place. Yes, Kansas and, City did too. Yep. The Rays have been fortunate that way, but yeah, man, the bats the bats just didn't wake up, and they had their chances. They, like I said, not many of them. Um, but when you can't get a guy past second base, but first and second, nobody out in a one to nothing game. I mean, you need to score a run, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard to shut guys out in the major leagues these days. I mean, well, you just don't see. Yep. That and many. Sunday it was, you know, fr- uh, Friday and Saturday it was frustrating. What you give up. Four runs the first inning, and then the three, three runs, runs. Yeah. the first inning on Saturday. You know, yeah. you, you dug yourself a big hole in both games. Now, mm-hmm. Saturday they came back and won that game, so you're right. splitting that. But you know, you you know, you can't have they your pitchers very... starting that. You know, putting yourself in. You know, what Tyler Glass now, second player in Major League history to strike out four batters in, in an, an inning. inning and give up four or more runs. Mm-hmm. The only mm-hmm. other one was, and I don't remember who it was, but it was in 02. 1902. 1902. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 19. I was going to say, that's a trick question. It was yeah. against the uh, the the uh, Brooklyn, um, what was their nickname? The Superbas. The Superbas, yes. Yes, I before they I were have, the Dodgers. I think I have their baseball cards. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, that's 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 just incredible uh, that you got to go back that far. But just think how close they came to being swept by Toronto, mm-hmm. you know, which, you know, for Toronto, it was their shortest road trip, right? I mean, they're yep. playing their home games in Nuneaton. It was kind of funny. I heard, um, you know, they kind of, I guess their players had the option. I mean, they're most of them or all of them have to have a place to stay here because they play their home games in Nuneaton. Mm-hmm. Which is just up the road yeah, for, for now. now. Yeah, they'll they'll be moving on to Buffalo or Toronto or someplace. But for now, they're in Dunedin. So when they came to the trop for this three game series, I guess they had the option of driving themselves or um, staying at uh, the Vinoy. And you know, for my money, I'm picking the Vinoy. Yep. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let me think. Seven star resort. Uh, you know, they got the big thick 
big thick towels, you know, like mm-hmm. I like uh, all that stuff. Yeah, the comforts of home or not um, to be right there at the stadium. Yeah, I think I would take the Vinoy. So, yeah, it's going to be, I mean, look, uh, this this uh, homestand, 10-game homestand, one of the longest of the year, I, I think. I think it's the longest or tied for the longest of nothing. Yeah, time. so they're one and two, and they got the, the, the hottest team in the major leagues coming in here. And they're not a fluke, by the way. I mean, they, they legit are are mashing the ball and, mm-hmm. and playing great defense and doing all that. So it's going to be tough on the Rays, man. They uh, they need to get going at the top. That was their thing last year. They were they were almost unbeatable at home, it seemed, or, or if my memory's wrong. I think they were really good at home. Yeah, they were. Well, I mean, you know, after that they, the start, what they you know started below five hundred the first right. fifteen games, and you know right. their record was incredible after that, but forty and twenty overall. So yep. yeah. So six thousand three hundred and seventy two of you went home uh unhappy, but make sure you come back and see them play play the A's. They're now four and six at the trop this year. So that was tough. So you were uh, at the Tampa Bay Lightning and Emily Arena um to watch them play Columbus, the second of uh two games this mm-hmm. weekend. Um they won them both, thankfully. Columbus Columbus now had traded off a bunch of players. They can't. They're out of the playoff hunt. Tortorella was reportedly out at the end of the year. Which is, is he, con- is his he contract, gone? His contract's up. Oh, it is up. Okay. Yeah. So the report is is either he's not going to sign a new contract or they don't want him. I, I don't know if we know what, but the reports are he'll be moving on at the end of the year, which isn't a surprise at this point. Um, now, does he get another job simply because he won a Stanley Cup? See, I have this thing where if you win a Stanley Cup until you're just tired of coaching, it's like a Supreme Court appointment. You, well, you get a job for life. Yeah, Somebody's yeah, going to hire you. But, uh, you know, look, he was very successful in Columbus. He took them, what, the last three years they've been to the playoffs. They won their first playoff series under him in their franchise history. They swept the Lightning two yeah. years ago. When yeah, they that, was their the first, most, that was their first playoff yeah. series that they ever won. Mm-hmm. Um, they went to the playoffs three years in a row. They've never done that in their franchise history. I mean, he's it's been a, a successful short, It's a small there. history, though. It, I mean, well, it's not... it is. It, well, I mean, what? what but they, you know, it, maybe they're ten years younger than the Lightning. Which yeah, the Lightning mm-hmm. have won two since then. Right, two cups, and you know. But my point is, there's just not a lot of guys walking around that have won a Stanley Cup, right? And mm-hmm. therefore, they seem to keep getting jobs. Whether you're Joel Quinville, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, well, Torts, Torts is a great coach. But he can have a short shelf life at times. He's a he's a demanding coach, and you know at, there are times where the players start tuning you out, and it, it appears some of that has gone on in Columbus at this point. Uh, you know, not there and stuff, but you know, th- there's been a lot of friction between him and Pierre Luc Dubois, and now him and Patrick Laine and others, and you, you know, so it's it's. You know, maybe his shelf life's worn out. Maybe he's just ready to move on. You know, maybe it's the organization's ready to move on from him. I mean, I don't know the specifics of it, but mm-hmm. um, the reports are that you know this is he's the out. last couple weeks that he'll be the coach of Columbus. So it was interesting. I heard an interview um, with him before the game that they played on on your show on mm-hmm. Lightning Radio, mm-hmm. and um, uh, he it sounded like he was being um, asked questions by Columbus, a Columbus writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was his. Uh, it was his press conference from this morning, or it may have been yesterday. Yeah, it might have been yesterday or today, but um, he didn't sound like. And, and why should he? Right, but he didn't sound like a guy that was leaving. Although that didn't really come up, it was more about. And I thought it was interesting. It was more about like, you know, um, you're you're out of the playoffs. You haven't been in this position for a while. You're out of the playoffs, and as he mentioned, you know, 
we traded away a bunch of guys. Then we got a bunch of guys hurt. And the question was, you know, do you just kind of accept and try to keep things light and just accept that, you know, there's, you're just in a tough spot and there's nothing you can really do and there's nothing to play for? Or do you want guys to sort of remember how miserable this is? In other words, are you, you know, do you be grumpy and, and uh, you know, and kind of hammer home the point that we put ourselves in this position? Or, you know, do you try to like take some of that off of them and say, look, we're, we're, you know, we're overmatched here. We know it. Just go out there and have fun. And he, and he, he kind of danced. He didn't really dance around. He, he kind of said a little bit of both. He goes, you, you, mm-hmm. you want them to remember it. You know, you definitely want them to remember this feeling. So they did, they're not there again. He goes, but by the same token, he goes, you know, we need to win a game. Like, it's not mm-hmm. fun to lose. Like, our thing is, let's just try to win a game. And mm-hmm. and they can't score. You know, they're the only team, I think, besides the Lightning until, you know, until Monday, uh, Sunday night that we're having trouble scoring. Um, and he said, you know, we it, it's it's tough. He goes, this, this has been, and he said it, he goes, this has been a terrible year. For us, this has been an awful year. It's just been awful. There's no way to sugarcoat it, you know, from, you know, from start to finish. Um just hasn't worked out and um but he but he didn't you know he said we're still we're still working hard and and guys got to play the right way and you know and i thought i thought columbus played pretty well you know for for uh i mean they gave the lightning all they could handle you know i i thought tonight's game i thought the lightning controlled play most of the the time they did they did columbus had a few surges and when they had the surges they scored right um which you know, it's something the Lightning need to be better at. I mean, I, I think the Lightning played a bad game, but you can't let those surges when they're, you know, they didn't have a lot of them, and it wasn't often, right. but it seemed like every time they kind of had a surge, the puck ended up in the net. It did. And and the Lightning were chasing the game. They had to tie it up 3-3. Three, mm-hmm. three. Yeah, well, I mean, they were down, what, 2-1, to one, and then they were down 3-2. Yeah. to two. Yeah. Uh, and then it ultimately had to go to overtime. That's right. Uh, which had been what ten seconds in second fastest defenseman in NHL history to score uh, an overtime goal. So. He's got a knack for this man. <laughs> he's he's Mister Overtime Goal now. Yes, uh, what his nineteenth game winning goal? Is it really? Wow! I think which is uh, either tied or passed Pavel Kabina for the yeah. most by a defenseman in, in Lightning history. Yeah, you said that Palat and Point played really really well, um, and they did. I this team. Without Stamkos, without Kucherov, with a lot of things that aren't there right now for them, they're having trouble scoring, I think. This is I mean, what, their second game in the last 17 or 18, they've scored more than three goals? Right, that's, right. That's not like the, uh, uh, Brian uh, Brian Engblom keeps talking about, and, and the more he talks about it, the more I, I completely agree with it, is when Cooch comes back, whenever that is, whether it's before the regular season ends or sometime in the playoffs, look out for Braden Point because things are going to open up for him more than what they are now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he's got Alex Barry Boulay and, and Andre Palat in his line, and Palat's fantastic, but he's not the threat that Cooch is or Stamkos right. on the other side of, of Braden. Boulay. Right, and, Alex Barry Boulay, a good prospect, got his first goal tonight. He had been a little snake bit, and he had some glorious opportunities the last few games, and he finally got one tonight. But he's not Stamkos or Kucherov. I mean, Braden Point, teams are closing in on him so fast and, and sticking to him because 
he doesn't have the weapons around him that he normally does. When Cooch comes back, look out for him. And in and, and, and points playing very well right now, but look out once once Cooch is back. And as far as Stamkos go, I heard uh, an interview with um, John Cooper. Mm-hmm. He had said he thought he'd be skating in about 10 days. I guess as of uh, Sunday, it was about eight days. Yep. And now he, he granted that, well, I might have been a little bit optimistic when I said seven to 10 days. But he did say that he thought, look, um, you know, we still got time because there's, there's a bunch of games before the end of the regular season. Then mm-hmm. there might be a week um, in between, I guess. Is that right? Well, we, we or... don't know. So this is the regular season for the Lightning will end on Monday, May 10th which is two days later than it was originally scheduled. The regular season was supposed to end on Saturday, May 8th. The Lightning have got, because of rescheduled games and, and mostly Dallas with the COVID and the winter storms, games got all moved around. So May 10th is when that ends. Vancouver, with their cancellations and, and their COVID case and how long they were out, the Canadian division has games going through May 16th at this point. Meanwhile, the West, with Colorado and some other teams that have COVID issues, they've got games going through at least May 14th at this point. But the first two rounds of your playoffs are played within your division only. So would the Lightning start the playoffs a couple days after May 10th and start before the other leagues, or the other divisions, or are they going to wait for all the divisions to finish and then start the playoffs? No one has answered that question at this point. There could be an assumption that you're not going to start two or three days after the 10th. Because they'll wait forever. Because the one thing they don't want to have happen is, let's say, the Lightning and, and Carolina and Florida and, and whoever the fourth team is. All those series, the first round series ends in four games. It's a sweep, and then the second round, you start playing and it ends. You know, it, it, the, the, that game is in a sweep. But then the Canadian division, which starts a week later, goes seven games. How long are you waiting between then? Uh, for series, you know, that's one of the risks you have if you start one series before the other. Right. So, but no one really knows what they're going to do, and I don't think the league wants to announce anything because there's no guarantee we're not going to have more cancellations between now and you know two and a half weeks from now, um, where you may have to reschedule more games and things get pushed back. So, no need to announce anything when you don't even know when each division is going to end at this point. I mean, you hope if there's no more cancellations, you know, but there's no guarantee of that either. So. Yeah, well, all I know is uh, they they need to get one or both of those guys back before the playoffs or for the playoffs, and it looks like Cooch will be that guy. We'll see what happens with Stamkos. I'm, you know, with all the injuries, his history, of course, last year for most part missing the playoffs except for the one period he got in and scored a goal uh, in the Stanley Cup. I, I, you know, they've had to play without him in big games, and mm-hmm. they and they won a cup. So um, you're encouraged by that. But uh, Cooch is for, such a creative playmaker. Oh. Yeah. You know, there's nobody on the Lightning like him. Mm. You know, I mean, Stam- mm. and, and look, no one's got a shot like Stamkos, don't get me wrong. Sure. But everything Cooch can do creatively, offensively, just it opens so many other things up. That's right. Now, Stamkos on the power play is, you know, practically unstoppable mm-hmm. from from the dot there. Um, right. You know, uh, you know, the Lightning have the Lightning have three elite players on offense, on forwards. And unfortunately, you're missing two of them right now. Yeah, exactly. And now you're wondering why the Lightning are scoring three goals or less uh, in almost it. every game. I mean, that's it. When you have three elite forwards and two are gone, mm-hmm. that hurts. Yeah, it's not I to mean, say that Sorelli isn't good and and Yanni Gord and Alex Kalorn. I mean, they're they're great players, but I don't think you'd call them elite at this point. 
No, no. You know? They're 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 good glue guys. They're guys that you you mm-hmm. know that that can be complementary to everyone else. But Cooch is at you know it's a bad analogy. Cooch is like he he could lead he will lead you in scoring if you had him the whole year. But he's also sort of a Magic Johnson, right? He draws so much attention to himself and and sees the entire ice and sets guys up right and left. Anticipates like nobody's business. I mean, mm-hmm. he just he is just that good. You know, he's next next level. Um, you know, sort of superstar that uh, that creates for everybody and also gets his too. You know, while he's at it. So, yep. um, yeah, he he. You know, and you forget he. You know, he's the MVP. I mean, there's a reason why he's voted the best player in the league um, in the past. So, if they get him back and they get him back. Uh, and he's he's Nikita Kucherov. Now he would not have played all season, so you know, is he going to be rusty? Is he? Yeah, of course. All those things would yeah. apply. He'll also be fresh, but he'll also have fresh legs, and that's that may be the that may be the great equalizer because you know these other guys have gone through the rigors of an entire season. And, now, but uh, I do remember Braden Point had the same surgery going mm-hmm. into last season, and he, yeah, and he got yeah. off to a slower start, right. Um, he wasn't skating quite as well. And right. It, it took a little bit for him to get back to, you know, being Braden Point, 100%. Mm-hmm. But, you know, 80% of Cooch, is that better than most of the other players on the team? Just like, you know, when Braden Point was coming back, same thing. So Absolutely. Um, you know, is he going to be, you know, Stanley Cup Cooch from last year right away? Probably not. But can he make a big impact on this team and, and you know, give you another weapon? And like I said – if it just makes it easier for Braden Point to produce, then he's already doing enough. his job. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's already added to your team at that point. Yeah, no doubt. Well, it's good. You know, the Lightning uh, need to get a little momentum. I mean, think they think yeah. that's what Cooper talked about, how, you know, they want to be playing their best hockey going into mm-hmm. the playoffs. So um, they're on a little bit of win streak. And Sunday's game starts, this is five, five games in eight days. That's, that's, that's right. And the last nine games started on Sunday in 16 days. It's basically now from now on it's every other day. Essentially, I mean, this weekend yeah. they'll have a double. They'll have a back to back in Detroit, uh, both three right. o'clock games Saturday and Sunday. But you're averaging just about a game every other day. So, yep. so yeah. a break at the end of the regular. If they had a week off before the playoffs, it might help. It might help them That'd in many huge. ways. One just for some rest for players and and get healthy. But an extra week for Stamkos and Cooch to come back would be huge too. So you you kind of hope yeah. that they wait a week to start the playoffs to cat, let all the other divisions catch up. Right, exactly. Um, well, uh, the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks have a thing called the NFL Draft this week. That's on Thursday. That's, that's this they week? Probably, yeah, it's you're draft ki- you're week. You're kidding. You're kidding. <laughs> this is it. Turn, tune into Good Morning Football. That's all they'll talk about. Yeah. Um, seems like the thing, you know, the draft has just become this monster, right, and the NFL is, and, and we talk about it for so long. What's weird, having covered this franchise as long as I have, is – there's absolutely no buzz whatsoever about the Bucks draft, and I kind of dig it, man. I kind of, I kind of like them being under the radar because I'm not sitting here uh, like I would be if I was in San Francisco trying to figure out what's a smokescreen and whether they really like Mac Jones or, um, you know, one of the other, uh, you know, quarterbacks. So, uh, well, instead, you're trying to figure out where Tom Brady's going to show up next. Yeah, how about that guy, man? He's everywhere. Okay, so a week ago. Um, today, as we do this podcast, he started in New York, went to Miami, and did a soccer game with David Beckham, then flew up here and did B.A. Uh, in Christine Arians, um, 
you know, foundation dinner. And so, you know, he was buzzing around there. Then let's see, where'd he go next after that? Um, well, he started making noise. He started making noise on social media right away. He was at a lightning game this week. He was at a lightning game. And then, and then on Saturday night, he went to um, a UFC fight, mm-hmm. I believe. Wasn't it the one up in Jacksonville? Yep. And he was with Mike Evans, Blaine Gabbert. Who else did we see there? Uh, uh, Alex Guerrero was with him. Oh, I think there was one more player. Oh, Ryan Griffin, RG four. He was there. So you had a bunch of you had a bunch. The whole quarterback staff, the whole quarterback room was there. No Byron Leftwich, but. And then also Antonio Brown was at he was at the fight he just wasn't sitting with Tom. Hmm. Wonder 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 how, what happened there. But um yeah, you can expect Oh, by the way. Um cuz I get asked this question. We're going we're going to have a mailbag. We'll tell you how you send in those questions. I'm sure I'm going to get AB questions. I am, you know, after last week when uh the civil suit was settled with AB and his former trainer. Doesn't mean he's doesn't mean the league's not looking into it by the way cuz they are. Um, remember, Jameis Winston had a settlement as well, and he still got three games. But I'm, I think as time wears on here, it might at this point it'd probably be after the draft, but maybe right before. Who knows? I fully expect the Bucks to re-sign Antonio Brown, unless there's some team out there that just creates unbelievable leverage and and he has other opportunities. But um, what, I, happened, I what th- happens if the Bucks, you know, at 32 or? Maybe even second round, the best player on their board is a wide receiver. They'll take a receiver. Doesn't mean they won't resign Brown, though. Well, okay. And I mean, you'd have a you, you know, you'd have way too many receivers, right? But think about this: Chris Godwin is franchise. Mm-hmm. Got to reach a long term agreement with him. Mike Evans is going into his eighth season. It's hard to believe that, but he's you know all of twenty seven years old, I think. But he's going in his eighth season. Okay, and mm-hmm. and a guy that's had some injuries. Antonio Brown is Antonio Brown. He would he'd be back on a one year deal. So essentially, you'd have a bunch of receivers, none of which are are really locked up for beyond this season. And so, you know, whether it's Tyler Johnson or somebody else you would bring in here, I don't think it's likely. But I mean, if he was the absolute best player and it wasn't close, I don't. I mean, that's what they've said is they're not beholding to any one position that they could have the luxury mm-hmm. of picking every position but a kicker. Jason Light might add. Um, so you know, again, I I don't think that's going to happen, but. I do think Antonio Brown's coming back, and maybe maybe they do exactly what you say. Maybe they at this point we're only a few days away. Wait till you get at least through the first round. I mean, if they take a receiver in the fifth, right? That's you know, that's not going to preclude them from re-signing Antonio. But um, you know, there's roster spots available, right? I mean, Justin yep. Watson was on this football team a year ago, and and by the end of the year he was playing scout scout team safety are you sure they're not just waiting to see if julian edelman will sign first or (laughs) he's not he's retired (laughs) man why doesn't everybody believe that like the dude is gronk was retired yeah well gronk gronk had two legs maybe they didn't work i mean gronk (laughs) did have like 18 surgeries but from what i understand edelman's knee is just really bad and he did a video right you can't once you do the video you can't come back can you he sat in the middle of Gillette Stadium, and like it was this highly produced video by the Patriots. Um, well, only only Gronk can retire from retiring, so that's right because he knows how to do it best. <laughs> hey, mom, where's my socks? Speaking of Gronk, speaking of Gronk, so I can't have a day off. You know, we can't have nice things, and I can't have a day off because between Brady showing up at all these things, right? Is that the Lightning one night? He's, did you see him there? Were you there that night? By the way, 
I was there, yes. I did not see okay. him, though. But. Yeah, he was all over the place. I guess he was bouncing around. He was in Venick's box. Oh, my God, he's in John Steinbrenner's box. No, he was in Venick's box. Um, goodness uh, gracious. Was, yeah, goodness gracious. He he was in – he was uh, with uh, Alex Guerrero. Alex Guerrero must have to, like, rehab this guy wherever he goes, I suppose. So um, they're joined at the knee now, not the hip. But and then and then, like I said, he went to uh, the boxing. But Gronkowski. So I wake up uh, to uh, a video, which was posted. I don't know where it came. It was posted by according to my sources, Rob Gronkowski at the Arizona Spring Game caught a ball from a helicopter, six hundred and thirty feet in the air. Watch this. And sure enough, uh, Teddy Bruschi. And and Rob Gronkowski were uh, honorary co-captains for the Arizona uh, Wildcats football spring game, spring football game. And he comes out, and, and the coach is like, you've already met Teddy Bruschi. Now meet our other captain, Rob Gronkowski. And the kids go, ah, you know, they're going crazy. And he runs out, and he's in, he's in shorts, uh, shoulder pads, and a helmet. He goes, you might want to wonder why he's dressed like this today. And he goes, we're going to set a world Guinness Book of World Records, and he's going to catch a ball from 600 feet. It was actually 640 feet. And it took three tries. I mean, you you know, you say that, you go, well, 600, how far is that? Look, that was a long way. I mean, they, they showed the perspective from the helicopter, and it's like you see the logo down there, and you see this dude standing, and, and it's it's a long way. So they spin the ball. And it falls out of the sky, and sure enough, man, he almost caught the first two. But the third one, uh, he corralled and set a world record. So of course, we get to write about that. But um, yeah, Gronk is everywhere. I mean, these Bucks, man, they're making the rounds. They're having fun, you know, as they're uh, defending Super Bowl champions. Well, that's the you know the spoils of victory. And speaking of that, have you seen the Lightning's players' rings? I, I saw uh, the. We ran photographs. They look beautiful. Are, have you you've seen them in person? Now, I have not I seen it in person yet. Okay. Um, but I. So, you know. what's the coolest feature about them? Because I mean, they're they're gorgeous, right? They they got the Stanley Cup and they're they got like a looks like a blue um, sapphire maybe in diamonds. Oh yeah, there's around. lots of oh the whole thing is coated in diamonds. Yeah. Um, sapphires. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm trying to bring. Up, I want to have the specifics so I get it correct here. Twenty-seven right. custom-cut sapphires. Wow, that's a lot. Representing the years of the organization. Oh, that's cool. Um, seventy-nine diamonds brilliantly filling the Stanley Cup on the front. Mm. I think there's five hundred fifty-seven diamonds total in this thing. Goodness gracious! Eighty-one genuine sapphires. Wow. Twenty-five carats of gemstones. Oh, there's even a black diamond representing a hockey puck in there. Like the top, the Stanley Cup turns to the side, and then it says Stockholm. Which, if you remember, they went to Sweden. They started their season there. Yeah, well, they didn't start there, but early in the season they went there. Well, early, yeah. Um, it's got the Gravy Train song on it. It's got, of course, the record's got the two sixteen, two hundred sixteen minutes and fourteen seconds of overtime on it. Really? Yep. In the That's inside, cool. it's got the distant thunder. Uh, wow. Of course, their names, their numbers. Um, That's really cool. You know. Um, it's got their jersey number, of course, on there too. So um, each ring is is individualized, obviously. Yes, yes, uh, but it is. It's got their signature inside for the players. Uh, they these rings are stunning. And did they they had like a pro, they have a program or a, or a banquet to give these away? They did a they did a private ceremony on Friday with the players, socially distanced, and that. Um, 
I, mm-hmm. I don't know the specifics, but they they had a little ceremony. You know, you're limited in what you can do based on COVID and protocols in the NHL's protocols too. So you know, limit on who can be there, et cetera. Which is really funny because when they won the cup, they were drinking out of it and, mm-hmm. and pouring drinks for fans on the parade route. I mean, well, on, but but at we... that point, the season's over. You're not trying to play I games know, the next I know. week. But it's just funny to me. Yeah, but you know, now they're you know two weeks from the playoffs. You're trying to make sure you stay healthy. Yes, you got to um, stay healthy, of course. You know, you, you know, so they're you know going through all those protocols. So they had a private ceremony on Friday, but these rings are just stunning. Well, I'm I'm anxious to see what the Bucks do because um, they are also. Um, in the process of of uh, making their rings, and they will have something in August. I remember the black tie like um, back in the day in '03, mm-hmm. after the o- '02 season, and and uh, uh, right before the start of the '03 season in August. That was the coolest thing. I didn't get to go inside. They had a red carpet event. They had a it was black tie, and it was no children. So you know the coaches and wives loved it. Um, they ought to get babysitters that night, but they. Um, uh, they they went to a, a big uh, you know big banquet hall uh, in Tampa and had this thing and uh, apparently it was just you know one of the greatest evenings. I mean you know you get the great thing about it and I heard uh, John Cooper talking about it. You get to relive the moments, right? Mm-hmm. The videotape. They do such a great job with videotape and um, some of the highlights and some of the you know some of the sound that you you know that they gathered um, that people <clears throat> you know didn't know they had and. Um, you know, just memories that flood back, and then to have this, this incredible—I mean, this is what you play for, right? Um, the rings are for the players, right? Is that what they say? Uh, the yeah. Trophies so the, the trophies for the, fans, for the owner, or for the owner. The banners for the fans. The rings are for the. Players. The ring is for the players, right? Mm-hmm. And so that that means everything to them. And um, yeah, it's just and so Brady, <laughs> he'll get to bring. I you know this is the one day of the year, and it happens a lot where he gets to take out the other six rings. <laughs> Think about that, man. I mean, the dude has seven now. He'll be getting his seventh Super Bowl ring, you know? And assuming he keeps all ten fingers, he could win three more. I mean, we don't know. Um, it's just incredible. Uh, I can't wait. To, I can't wait to see. So the Bucks are in the process of uh, of unveiling those. I know, I know they've been planning them, and mm-hmm. probably by this point they're probably in production, but... Um, They'll do that sometime in August. And again, you know, you hope that um, by August with vaccinations and whatnot, maybe they can do a less socially distanced type program and actually um, get a bunch of people together and have a good time. I mean, look, I know it wasn't the season, and so that's this is all part of it, right? But, like, you know, BA's golf tournament worked out okay, I think. And, you know, fortunately, we got to interview players standing three feet away and you know, most of the riders now have been vaccinated. I know a lot of people at that golf tournament probably were, um, but uh, so yeah, it's a it's a big time, big time, man. Yeah, I I did see them. They look beautiful, and God bless them. All right, before we get out of here, I mentioned uh, you know a big thing this week is going to be the NFL draft, and the Bucks don't pick until thirty second, assuming they stay there and keep it. And with so few roster spots, maybe they maybe they move up in the draft. Who knows? Maybe they move down. I always love these, um, you know, these draft interviews that we had, like with Jason Light and others. Well, we could move up, we could move down, we could stay wherever we're at. But there is some some thought, at least over there, uh, among the Bucks brain trust, which would include uh, their player personnel director, 
uh, John Spytek, who I got a chance to talk to. And, you know, you think about the Bucks and, and just the NFL in general. So many teams want to get that franchise quarterback. And, and the thing is, you have to lose a lot of games to be in position to do that, right? Jacksonville has the first pick in the draft because they had the worst record. They're the worst football team. That's why Urban Meyer is there. They're going to take Trevor Lawrence. I don't think there's any secret about that. Um, and yet, you know, for everybody else, you it, you got to catch lightning in a bottle. You got to be lucky to get a Russell Wilson in the third round, um, a Drew Brees at the end of the first, um, you know, a Tom Brady, right, which is the unicorn, um, you know, at number 199. I mean, those those are few and very, very far between uh, w- when you're able to get lucky like that. And it is luck or you wouldn't have passed on those guys as many times as you did. So what is the best way to secure the quarterback position? And, and you know, what the Bucks did, of course, with Brady, who was unique, was signing him as a free agent. And ironically, maybe not coincidentally, for all the, the number one draft picks or first-round draft picks the Bucks have used through the years on quarterbacks, right? And we can reel a list of, of guys that they have done that with from, uh, you know, starting with, I mean, Doug Williams, who went on and won a Super Bowl with Washington, um, Steve Young, who wasn't very good here, went to the 49ers, sat behind Montana, ended up in the Hall of Fame, won a Super Bowl with them. Uh, you know, Trent Dilfer eventually won one uh, with the Baltimore Ravens after he left here. You can go to Vinny Testaverde, of course, had a, had a successful career for almost 20 seasons. So there's been a lot of quarterbacks. Jameis Winston, now the latest that they took in the first round, tried to develop them, didn't win here or win big here, certainly didn't win a Super Bowl. And the two Super Bowls they won were with Brad Johnson and Tom Brady. But now you look at the landscape of the quarterback position. And in talking um, you know, to John Spitek, uh, he just said, look, uh, you know, you look around and you you see, you know, so much quarterback movement, right? You see guys talking about or wanting to get out of their situations. I think quarterbacks have realized, much like the NBA to some extent, where their stars realize they have a lot of power, um, whether it's with their own team or trying to force their way out of their own team or becoming a free agent. And nobody knows what's going to happen in Green Bay, but we know that they drafted Jordan Love um, a year ago. And so, you know, he's the eventual replacement to Aaron Rodgers, who still needs a contract um, at some point if he's going to stay in Green Bay. And he was, you know, after the championship game, talking about how his, his career is a beautiful mystery. And, you know, you have Russell Wilson um, waiving his no-trade clause for four teams that he says he would be willing to be traded to if, in fact, Seattle wanted to trade him, which they say they don't. Before Deshaun Watson had all his problems, uh, he was asking to be dealt from Houston. The Rams swapped Jared Goff for Matthew Stafford. A year ago, you know, Phillip Rivers left the Chargers for the Colts. Treddy Bridgewater went to the Saints, um, went from the Saints to the Panthers, um, I mentioned Winston, Cam Newton wound up in New England. So there's a lot of things going on. And what Spytech told me that I want you to remember going into this draft is he goes, look, it's an interesting time. Do you need to get a quarterback because Tom is not going to be here forever? Well, how much longer is he going to play? We got Tom out of nowhere. So could you do it again? Now you're starting to see a lot more and more quarterbacks move or wanting to move. Does that change things? And he's not saying that they will never draft a quarterback again or that sort of thing. And, and they could use a young developmental quarterback because they have the oldest quarterback in the room, right? Griffin, um, you know, is 31 years old. 
Uh, and so, you, you know, you combine him and their two backups. I mean, these guys are all playing. Gabbert's 31 as well. So they they need a younger guy, and I'm not saying they won't draft a younger guy. The question is where, how much capital do you use? And he just said it's a tough call to make. Um, he says, I, I certainly understand why the Packers did what they did last year when they drafted you know Jordan Love. But at the same time, you're like, well, how much did that help you win the game in the NFC Championship? Um, but it's already worked there, you know, when they had Rodgers replace Favre. And he said, you know, if you're Jason Light or you're the Packers GM, uh, you kind of have a responsibility of the franchise to keep it set up for years to come. And the best way to do that is to draft a quarterback. But for Spytech, he goes, I just don't know. It seems like some of these quarterbacks, um, you know, that once only played for 15 years somewhere, then left, they might move around a little bit more. Guys just aren't trying to play their entire careers in one place anymore. I would agree. I have been on both sides of this issue. I've covered team this team that has drafted a quarterback in the first round many, many times during the time I covered them. It has not worked out. Um, I think that in some ways it's better to build a great football team um, because the quarterback needs that. And then to find your quarterback that has already been through, you know, the bumps and bruises and, and has all the knowledge and still has the, if he's lucky, has the physical gifts to still play and, and plug him in. And that's what they did with Brady. And there's only one Tom Brady. I, I recognize that. But you know what? One day Aaron Rodgers is going to want to move on. One day Russell Wilson may want to move on. If the timing is right, and they didn't have to give up any draft picks to the Patriots, that's a key. Um, but I almost think it's a better route to go with free agents. So we'll see what the well, Bucks do. It is, but I'll, I'll let me add a caveat. Yeah, go ahead. When Tom Brady leaves two, three years from now, mm-hmm. who's your coach? Because that impacts well, a quarterback coming. I mean, Bruce sure Arians was part of the reason Tom Brady came here, as well Absolutely. as Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, you know, the weapons. But that's my point. That. If you if you keep drafting good players, mm-hmm. then you'll right. it, the quarterback will come. It's funny because when they were trying to get Brady, they, they had a spy tech named it Operation Shoeless Joe Jackson, and his whole thing was if you build it, he will come. Well, they built the best team. That's why Brady's here. Mm-hmm. So can you continue to build and keep replenishing that talent so that you have a, a quarterback-friendly ball club ready to win if you can find that piece? Well, but my, my, but the point about the coach is when Tom Brady moves on, we don't anticipate Bruce Arians will still be the coach here. Could be wrong, but knowing his age. It might be Byron Leftwich. It, it might be. But, you know, part of Bruce Arians' appeal is the no risk it, no biscuit in his offense, but it's I worked with Carson Palmer, Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning. Oh, no question. You know, that that it's a big part of you know, it. And no question. Tom can go call those guys, go and tell me about Bruce Arians. No question. It's you true. Know. So and, and it's, not, it's not a knock on Byron Leftwich or Todd Bowles or whoever. Right. But you know you know, part of building it in and they will come means not just the players on the field, but the front office and the coaches have to be you know, top notch too is you know, you know if Adam Gase gets hired again, I don't think you're going to see Aaron Rodgers go play for him. No, although one time Adam Gase was considered mm-hmm. a quarterback guru, and then he got exposed. But I will right. say that you know, and and this is this is a, another topic for another show. We've touched on it in the past, and people have asked me this in the mailback question. I'm happy to answer it again. I think at some point whether it's after this season, if they win another Super Bowl or get back to one, or maybe they fall short. I think as long as Brady is here, I think Bruce will be here. I think. I don't know if Bruce is going to – I'm sorry. I don't know if Brady is going to 
be a quarterback beyond 2021. Now he has a contract for 2022. Um, he says as long as, as he can play, he wants to keep playing because he knows when he's through, that's it. Um, there's nothing for him that's as exciting as, as the game of football. So as long as he can do it, he's going to keep doing it. You know, if, if injuries don't take over and as Giselle doesn't leave him. Um, but I, I do think that in, in very short order, your 43, soon to be 44 year old quarterback and your 69, soon to be 70 year old, well, next season, 70 year old head coach is going to call it quits. I mean, they're going to, they're going to be done and they may be done. They may go out together, but what better time to name a coach in waiting, right? And keep some continuity. You could keep that entire coaching staff, maybe even Todd Bowles, if he doesn't get hired away, which I think is possible. Um, but before you lose Bowles and Leftwich, if, if you could, you know, because if Leftwich, let's face it, if he has another year like he did a year ago and they figured this thing out and they, you know, start start the season the way they ended it now that they've have ironed out, gone through a whole year together and ironed out a lot of their differences um, and Tom is more familiar with the team, you know, this is the offense that Byron knows. This is the offense that Byron runs. It's Arian's offense, but it's what he knows. He's calling the plays. How much input does Arians have game to game, week to week, play to play? Not as much maybe as you think. Um, but again, it's his offense. At some point, wouldn't quarterbacks want to play for Byron Leftwich? If he can coach Tom Brady and coach him successfully, you know, um, to a Super Bowl at this age, then uh, I, w- I would think that uh, there will be teams, you know, and quarterbacks wanting to play for him. But your point is well taken. I don't think there's many coaches that Brady would have played for. I think he would have played for Sean Payton um, in in uh, New Orleans. I think he would have played for Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. Um, trying to think of who else he might have played for. But there weren't many. Uh, and it was easy for him, even though, you know, B.A.'s polar opposite of Belichick. But, you know, he, he had exactly what you said. He's had Peyton Manning. He had Ben Roethlisberger. He had Carson Palmer. He had all these guys and and it takes a special coach to handle this sort of of superstar. There's a reason why Phil Jackson was with uh Michael Jordan all that time, you know, that and and Pat Riley was in LA with Kobe and Shaq. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, those those coaches um, you know, know how to handle these these superstars and and vice versa. They 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 go well together. So, it's a great question. I and it's a chicken and the egg thing, right? Um can you attract a free agent quarterback if you don't have the right coach? And are you going to win enough games? You know, and, and you got to have the right GM to build a team that a quarterback wants to play for. I think two things will steer those decisions for most players that we're talking about. One, um, can they win? And can they win mm-hmm. big? They want to win Super Bowls. You know, when you're Russell Wilson, when you when you're these guys, you know, Aaron Rodgers, one Super Bowl ring, right? If he wins two, you're in a different category. You just are. You know, for years and years, I had this argument with Tom Jones. You know, I thought Peyton Manning's one of the top five quarterbacks of all time. And he said, no, he's not. And he kept saying that. And I said, why? He goes, because he's won one Super Bowl. I go, but, you know, it doesn't change who he is. It's a team game, blah, blah, blah. Well, he won a second one, and he barely participated. He was, you know, pretty much a passenger behind a great defense. But he set the tone, and he won that Super Bowl. And all of a sudden, Tom said, yep, he's elite. He's, He's one of the guys now. And I think you're just viewed differently when you win when you win more than one. So those guys are going to be chasing rings, and uh, I think there will be more quarterback movement. So it's a 
check it out. It's in Tampa Bay dot uh, com, Tampa Bay Times, and um, it's uh, it, it's pretty interesting comments by uh, by John Spitek. The Rays continue their homestand, hoping to win a series. And now they've dropped two in a row. This time it won't be easy. They play the Oakland A's, hottest team in baseball. Had won thirteen in a row going into Sunday, and you know what? Uh, we're going to have, of course, the draft is Thursday. We're going to have a mailbag segment for tomorrow. I know we're getting right down to the nitty-gritty. Um, you don't have to limit this to bucks. You can ask me NFL draft questions if you like. I got my thoughts on what's going to happen early in the draft, particularly at the quarterback position. Maybe a little intel here or there. So um, don't hesitate. Send us your questions about anything, really. Um, you can do that on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. We'll have Tom Jones on the program the next couple of days, my former radio partner, longtime columnist of the Tampa Bay Times, now with the Pointer Institute. And, of course, it's the NFL Draft on Thursday. We'll give you some coverage of what the Bucks do after their pick, which probably will actually be early Friday morning sometime uh, after midnight, I'm guessing, if they do keep and stay there at number 32. All right, so send those mailbag questions in. For Steve Versick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mm-hmm.